I'm Alex Laughlin, and here are three stories you need to know about today. So we've got a new crop of men being accused of sexual misconduct. This time, it's Alabama Senate nominee Roy Moore and comedian Louis C.K. Let's start with Moore. A woman named Lee Korfman told the Washington Post that Moore initiated sexual conduct with her when she was 14 years old, and he was 32. She told the Post that she asked Moore to take her home, which he then did. In a statement, Moore's Senate campaign called the allegations, quote, yet another baseless political attack. These allegations could complicate Moore's Senate bid, which is in December. Several Republicans have already issued statements, including Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell and Senator Jeff Flake. Some even called for Moore to withdraw from the race entirely. Moore is the Republican nominee for Attorney General Jeff Sessions' former seat in Alabama. And next, Louis C.K. Yesterday, the New York Times reported that five women have come forward accusing the comedian of sexual misconduct over the last two decades. Last night's premiere of Louis C.K.'s new movie, I Love You, Daddy, was canceled ahead of the story being released. He also pulled out of The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. As of this recording, Louis C.K. has not issued a statement on the allegations. After the Los Angeles Times ran an investigative series on Disney in September, Disney banned them from advanced screenings of movies like Star Wars Last Jedi and Marvel's Black Panther. Soon after, journalists from other publications began announcing that they would not be attending screenings or reviewing Disney films until the ban was lifted. We have BuzzFeed News reporter Alana Bennett here to tell us what's been going down. So... Alana, what is normal behavior? Like, are there circumstances where critics can be banned? There has definitely been a culture uh, between publicists and studios and journalists and critics of bans in the past. It's not extremely common, but I think that, you know, if you get into a room with a lot of critics, somebody has experienced it where somebody writes something or somebody on their team writes something like a profile or a review that somebody doesn't agree with at the studio or that puts them in what they think is a bad light and they reel back access a little bit or they don't invite you to the screenings or they invite you to the very last screenings like right before the movie comes out so you don't have as much time to prep your story and get it up in a time that is beneficial to you. Mm. There is definitely a culture of that but I think that this one crossed a line for a lot of people because it was an investigative piece that Disney seemed to be responding to. So like a different team. It's not just responding to a bad review. Yeah. Like this one was pointing at Disney's longtime deals with Anaheim as a city and into all of this like financial stuff. And and it, I think that it felt silencing and people were not pleased. Yeah. OK. So where where does it stand now? Basically, after... Um, you know, Avery DuVernay tweeted in support of journalists and David Simon and the New York Times. Uh, after all of that, Disney lifted the ban on the L.A. Times. And so a lot of people's boycotts and bans were contingent on the L.A. Times ban still being in place. So I'm pretty sure that everything is kind of technically resolved. So let's pull back slightly. What are the larger implications for, like, freedom of the press? Yeah, all of the critics that I talked to for my story told kind of the same narrative of this would always have been a line that 
would be too far to cross. But this year in particular, it felt like everyone was very primed to go in and defend journalism because it felt like there was more at stake than ever. One of the um, critics said that, you know, the commander in chief is going after journalism too. Like we can't stand for this in our corner of that. Cool. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Millions of Puerto Ricans just lost power again after a line repaired by Whitefish Energy failed. Just 18% of Puerto Rico now has power, according to the Puerto Rico Electric Power Authority, or PREPA. PREPA's handling of power restoration after Hurricane Maria has come under scrutiny after reports revealed that Whitefish Energy secured a $300 million contract without a competitive bidding process. PREPA then terminated the contract. Justo Gonzalez, PREPA's director of generation, said it was not yet clear why the line had failed. Whitefish Energy did not immediately respond to a request for comment about the outage. Gonzalez said that PREPA is prioritizing restoration of power at hospitals, airports, water pump stations, and economic areas. For more on the latest stories, download the BuzzFeed News app. And you can listen to this briefing, reporting to you, wherever you get your podcasts.